trust you're doing well. I don't know about you, but I was really touched in worship. Thank you, worship team. I think you're sitting all over, but thank you so, so much. Um, I was really touched by the, the sentence that says Self, selfless faith. And it really links to what, what I want to share tonight. So we are busy with a series called The Upside Down Kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus is a bit different than our worldly kingdom. And last week, Donnie really preached so well just around our kingdom status. You know, are we looking for a worldly status? Do we, you know, do we try to be like the seven brothers or are we trying to be like David, a man after God's own heart? And I was really challenged last week by that sermon, just, you know, going into my own heart and just asking God, you know, where am I still wanting people to say, well done? People to say, yo, look at that man. But then God is like, no, 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 I want God to say that. Whether people say it or not, that really doesn't matter. So I want to share just a story of my own life. So I studied mechanical engineering, and in my third year, I realized I'm in the wrong direction. This is not what I want to do. But I pushed through because I did not know what else to do, and, you know, when in doubt, just look ahead and go forward. But there was a subject, thermodynamics. We call it thermodynamics. It was really, for me, it was difficult. I know it's not for everyone, but for me, it was. So I studied hard for the first test, the first exam, and I didn't make it. So I studied even harder for the second one. And then I missed it again with 2%. And I was quite disappointed. You study hard, you know, you, you're looking for this to finish in four years, and now, you know, this like, oh, shucks. And I cannot go to a lecturer and say, please, man. You know, and maybe use my gift or use my, you know, talents to... to you know, convey or to, to um, what's the word, to manipulate, convince, that's what I'm looking for, convince him to give me that subject. So I had to redo that. Then those of you who were at the family camp, you would know the story. So the second evening we bride, we had a nice bride, it was very nice. I was there at the briar, briar with some, some of the men, and uh, we had nice patties, proper, Yandere, we remember. Nice, proper patties. And just before we took our first puppy, it was not well. The meat rotted the previous night. And again, it's a, it's a stupid, silly story, but it's a disappointment that we, we, we experience in life. All of us. We experience disappointments. Whether it's a silly patty, it's a subject you can't make, whether it's a relationship that doesn't work out, you really believed it will. Whatever it is, all of us, we experience disappointments along the road. So you can just watch that video quickly. Uh, just before you show it, Zach, um, so I don't know if you've seen this movie, Inside Out. So it's just the characters represent the little girl's emotions. So there it's joy and anger and disgust and everyone trying to, you know, joy, always trying to be joyful and then anger is some, sometimes there. And this is just a picture of, of disappointment. Thanks, so. Hey, look, the Golden Gate Bridge. Isn't that great? It's not gold like we thought. We're just kind of disappointed, but still. I sure am glad you told me earthquakes are a myth, Joy. Otherwise, I'd be terrified right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. These are my kind of people. 
All right, just a few more blocks. We're almost to our new house. Step on it, Daddy. Why don't we just live in this smelly car? We've already been in it forever. Which actually was really lucky, because that gave us plenty of time to think about what our new house is going to look like. What? Let's review the top five daydreams. Ooh, that looks That's safe. Nice. Oh, this will be great for Riley. Oh, no, 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 no. This oh, one. Joy, for the last time, she cannot live in a cookie. That's the one. It comes with a dragon. We're getting close. I can feel it. There it is. There's our new house. And... Maybe it's nice on the inside. Hey, look! The Golden Gate Bridge! Isn't that face such a good representation of disappointment? Oh, it's a new house, you know. You encourage your kids, it's a new house, and they get there and they're like, it's not a new house. Maybe our new house, it's quite old. And it's, it's the same with us in our lives. And I want you to just take a moment and just think about all the disappointments that you've experienced in your life. Whether relationships, whether whatever, can be anything. You believed it was, it would end like this, and then it really didn't. And you believed. You put your faith in God. Man, I trusted God. I prayed. I fasted. But still it didn't come through. And a lot of times in our, in our own lives, it is whether we blame God, whether we blame ourselves, or whether we blame others or circumstances, we all know what it feels like, right? Something that we can all stand in a huddle and cry together if we want to. Because we all know, oh yeah, disappointment. I know what that feels like. So let me pray for us before we get into the Word. You can page to Mark 11. We're going to speak about the a fruitless tree. That's the topic for tonight. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so, so much for your Word. Lord, thank you that your word is there to empower us, encourage us, challenge us, rebuke us, Lord, correct us. And I really pray tonight, Lord, that as we, as we go through Mark 11, that you will really speak to us, Lord. And Father, above everything, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come tonight in such a way that our lives will look different tomorrow and the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Mark 11. I hope you have your Bibles here. So, as Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Can you all hear me clearly? Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. And as they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, 
and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in the highest heavens. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the twelve disciples. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed the fig tree in full leaf a little way off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, May no one ever eat your fruit again. And the, the disciples heard him say it. And when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning out to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree, he had cursed. The disciples noticed it has withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what Jesus had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, Look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. Then Jesus said to the disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. So, we... Sorry, guys. Thank you. Can we just give the sound team a hand? Thank you so much, sound team. Um, really appreciate the efforts. Um, so as we read this, I'm not going to go into the first part of, the, of what happens. We all sang Hosanna tonight. They worshiped God. They saw his coming in the line of David. And, you know, he's the king. Um, and I see this picture of, you know, you're throwing your knife or your K-way or something in front of this donkey, you know, because he's the king. You're throwing your, your best robes in front of this king. But then it's interesting. He comes to the temple the night before he throws over the tables. It's the first time that I've seen this. So it's not that he came in and he was shocked and he lost his cool. Obviously not his Jesus. He never sinned. But still he, he looked at it. And he was so disappointed. He was so disappointed. And then something very interesting happens. The next morning, he gets to a fig tree. That's, that's quite odd, right? You know, he's coming in on a donkey, and then he sees this temple, and the next day he goes to a fig tree, and he wants some figs. He's hungry, and there's nothing. 
I'm hungry. I want my fatty, but it's, it's, I cannot eat it. He's, he's disappointed again in this tree that appears to be fruitful, right? Full of leaf. That's what the scripture says. Full of leaves. But there's nothing on this tree. And then what does, what does he do? He curses it. No one will ever eat fruit from you again. That's quite harsh. Think about it. The scripture says it was not the season for fruit. I'm like, yo, Lord, that's a bit harsh. Like, it's not even a season for fruit, and you're cursing this poor fig tree. But Jesus, obviously knowing what's coming, think about it. He went into the temple. He saw what's going on. He was disappointed. He was saddened by what he saw. And then he know, obviously, the scripture says God only, Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. So he knew what was coming. Then he cursed the fig tree as a sign of what's coming. Otherwise, Mark would have either written it in a way different chapter or maybe afterwards, you know, the whole thing, he cursed it and then they saw it with it. No, no, no. He was showing something. He was pointing towards the religious leaders, showing, I'm holy, wearing a lot of leaves, but there's no fruit at all. So, then in, in, in verse 15, he comes into Jerusalem and he walks in and he just is angry. And he throws over the tables. He throws over the chairs and he chased the people out. Why? Why did it make him so angry? Why did Jesus get so angry as, at this thing? What he says it, he says, This is a house of prayer for all nations. Not some nations, not most nations, not chosen nations, all nations, every single nation, every single person that's walking this earth. So that's why, if you think about it, there's a picture of the, the temple, and there was a courtyard. It was the courtyard of the Gentiles. Okay, so it was about one, 1. 1.6 kilometers circumference. Okay, it's quite big. The, 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 the reason that was there is for the Gentiles. Remember now, it was the God of Israel. Okay? So the Jews, they came in, they did their rituals, and then they'll get closer and closer to the holiest of holies. And then obviously the high priest will enter once a year for everyone's sins. The Gentiles, they were not allowed to enter. But at least they could enter that to seek God by prayer and contemplation and silence. And now they cannot do that. They, they, they come there and they, they need to buy these things, you know, animals to sacrifice. And it's loud because it's a marketplace. I don't know if you've ever been to a, like a market, a weekend market. It's quite loud. You know, you need to almost scream at each other to hear each other. So they were, they were there to pray and contemplate and seek for this God of Israel because he opened the way for everyone. And now suddenly they have to buy things. So imagine yourself. 
you are a relative, you're a Gentile, you come from far away, you don't live close to the temple, but you go there because you're really looking for God. I need God. I need God in my life. I, I'm lost without Him. And you go and you say goodbye to your family and you get there and suddenly you have to buy sacrifices. And you have to pay quite a penny for it because the religious leaders can ask whatever they want. Because you have to sacrifice something, sure. So they ask whatever, you know, put a nice mark up. I'm doing a good deed because they don't have sacrifices. So at least I can give them something to sacrifice. And then they get there and imagine going back to their relatives and saying, look guys, it was quite an interesting experience, but I don't have anything left. I have to spend all our money to sacrifice to this God. I don't know if he's really that good. You know, I don't know if he's really worth going again. I'm not sure. So, if you look at Isaiah 56, you can page there, but it will be on here. Isaiah prophesied this. Isaiah saw this coming. Okay? And Isaiah says in 56 verse 6, I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord. Okay? So, from the beginning, God was all about the foreigners. God was all about the all nations. From the beginning, it's not a new thing. It's not a New Testament thing. It is from the beginning, God was all about all nations. But listen to this. This is important. It says, who serve Him, love His name, worship Him, do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called the house of prayer for all nations. So I'll accept it because it's for all nations. So it's open. Please come. Whoever you are, please come. It's open for all nations. But they did not experience joy, right? It was supposed to be a moment of joy. I get there. It's amazing. I can seek this God and it's, He's so awesome. And yo, he's, he, he opened the doors for me and now suddenly they can't. It's not joyful. It's this begrudging. I have to buy a sacrifice, etc., etc. But Isaiah also saw this in, in verse 11. It says, like greedy dogs, they are never satisfied. They are ignorant shepherds, all following their own path and intent on personal gain. My question is this. What makes you so angry that you will throw over tables and chairs? Think about it. What makes us, what makes me as Jock so angry that I'll throw over tables and chairs? Obviously in a righteous manner, but still. What makes me so angry? I can tell you what makes me so angry. When my little one wakes up for two months in a row and he only wants his dad. And I had a hard day of work. I'm like, oh wow, okay Lord, I need to be godly now, but I am tired. That makes me angry, but it's not a godly anger, right? a selfishness. It's a, I want to sleep. You know, not thinking about him. Maybe he has pain and he actually had pain, but that's beside the point. So maybe we get angry because we get treated unfair. We get heavy angry because I don't get the job I deserve. Surely I deserve it. Surely I deserve that raise. Surely, man, the lecturer missed two marks. I come on, man, I deserve that. I deserve to pass that. Maybe we get angry because it did not work out for me. I did everything right. 
I did every single thing. You know, I followed the, the instructions to the T and it didn't work out for me. And that, those are the things that makes us angry. Another way to put it is what gets to us. What gets to you? To such, you know, to such an extent that you like, oof, I really need to, you know, to work hard now to stay in a godly character. Surely all of us, right? I hope you can all think of one or two things that really, really, really gets to you. And I want to share this tonight, that what gets to God is if we hinder people from getting to Him. If we are a fruitless tree that looks beautiful on the outside, but we don't live a life of fruit, so people cannot come to us and eat this fruit. God created us to be so fruitful that everyone around us must benefit. They must want to be around you because you... You live a life that either inspires them or motivates them or encourages them or challenges them to a higher standard. So what, what really gets to God is if we stand in the way of others. And really, really, really gets to Him to such an extent that He will curse the fig tree. But this is a hard message, but there's good news. Right? You don't get good news, then... You know, someone didn't preach that's on the preaching seat. We always end with the good news. Why? Because it is great news. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus took our curse. Guys, girls, we all hinder people from getting to God. We're selfish. We're in a rush. I don't have time. I can't do this now. You feel the Holy Spirit say, preach the gospel to this person. I'm not going to do it now, Lord. This is more important. We all hinder God. But there is good news. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, He showed us the way we should live. Selfless faith. He gave Himself so that we can live a fruitful life. If we believe in Jesus, then we can bear fruit. If we abide in Jesus as we, we, we prayed beforehand, we will bear fruit. It is a promise that you abide in Christ. You believe in Jesus, you abide in Him, and therefore you bear fruit. But then it goes on, and this for me, to be honest, was way out of context. I was like, I don't understand why verse 21 to 24, 5 is there. But, so they come, and Peter is always excited. Oh Lord, look, the tree is really withered, you know, your curse really worked. He's very excited about that. You know, Peter, always the excited one. And then Jesus says this very interesting thing. He says, have faith in God. So he cursed the fig tree. And now he's talking about faith. Maybe you are a theologian and please come explain it to me. But for me, that, that doesn't make sense. But he says, have faith in God. And then he says, whatever you ask. If you say to that mountain, go into the sea, it will go. And whatever you ask, it will happen. Whatever you ask. It will happen. And then again he says something for me that's way out of context for me. Obviously it's not. Then he says, first forgive. So before you ask for this incredible thing, before you put your faith in God, forgive. First forgive. Then pray this incredible prayer. And then realize that God forgives you. And I, obviously this is not out of context. It is in context. But the context is mission. The context is all nations. 
So God says, have faith in me, all right? He's the one that will save people. He's the one, he's the only one that can save us. You cannot save yourself. People cannot save you. The church cannot save you, okay? Only Jesus Christ can save us, okay? But then he comes and he says, okay, but pray for anything. Any, 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 anything. And I'm convinced, I was so challenged in my preparation, that that anything, what comes to mind when I say to you, pray for anything, right now in this moment, you'll get it. Maybe I'm not spiritual, but my mind doesn't go to the nations. My mind doesn't go to people getting saved. My mind goes to my own life. Maybe I won't pray for a Ferrari, I mean, honestly, but, oh, Lord, give me a good day at work. Whatever you, you can think. Yo, help me pass this test. It's not wrong, right? Cast all your cares upon the Lord because He cares for us. But do we pray for the nations? Because the context is have faith in God and then pray for anything. Pray for the nations. Pray for your family members. Pray for those people in your, um, in your class. Pray for those people at your work. Because Jesus is so serious about his mission that he will throw over tables and chairs and he will chase everyone out if that is not the case. And then it speaks about forgiveness because I am convinced that unforgiveness pollutes our view of people. Unforgiveness pollutes our view of people. If I have unforgiveness towards Donnie, it doesn't just pollute my view of Donnie. It pollutes my view of the whole human race. Because the bitterness starts to grow and grow. And that's why it's not out of context. Because Jesus knows if we don't forgive, we won't embrace His mission. And He wants us to embrace His mission. You see, the, the church of God does not have a mission. The mission of God as a church. God is on mission. He's just asking who's coming along. It's fun to be on mission with, with Jesus, with the King of Kings. But He wants us to be on mission. And I just felt to, to just, maybe you, you've been in church your whole life. You've really embraced this mission. And then I want to say, please keep going. Maybe you've been in church and you've really gotten hurt somewhere. And you're blaming God. I want to tell you tonight, God doesn't make a mistake. He cannot make a mistake. There's a big difference between God saying sorry and God feeling sorry for you. You might say sorry on behalf of someone. And I want to say tonight, if you've got, if, if, if you experience what the Gentiles in this scripture experience, I want from my side to say sorry. But please do not blame God. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And he was so angry that he cleared the temple. For us to go in. For us to experience Him. Jesus was cursed so we could be blessed. Right? And imagine a church. Imagine us as people having selfless faith. Imagine we can live a life where, where you come to church. You don't think about yourself. You think about, Lord, how can I be a blessing? When you get to work, you don't think about yourself. You think, Lord, how can I be a blessing? Imagine how the world will be blessed. It's if each and every one of us, every, every, every morning we wake, we first put our faith in God and we embrace this beautiful mission 
that He wants to see people saved. John Newton had wrote Amazing Grace was a man like this. He grew up in a family and they were all about the slaves. Okay, So they literally went to Africa, they abducted slaves, and then they sold them into slavery. And they made a lot of profit. And then one evening, he was so... Um, a lot of his, his friends actually died on the, on the boat because there was a massive storm. And he just prayed, Lord, be merciful to me. Please be merciful to me. And God was merciful to him. And he wrote Amazing Grace that we know to this day. The reason I'm sharing the story is he went to abolish slavery. He also received that anger that everyone needs to hear this good news. So far that I need to do something about it. And I want to encourage you. Donnie gave a word about education. I want to encourage you that your heart is stirring for something. Go for it. And take the gospel there. Because God is on a mission. And whether we join Him or not, He's on a mission. Right? He's going to stay on a mission. And we can join Him because it really is worth it. Eugene, if you can just... If he's still here... You can just come. Thank you so much. I want, I really felt that there are a few people in the crowd tonight that I really want to encourage you to, to take this word to heart and really ask God, put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him to change. Put your faith in Him to be faith, uh, selfless, not faithless. Please be faithful. But put your faith in God and join Him on His mission. Practical, as practical as this. There's a lot of visitors here. Go and greet them. Visitors, maybe you should run now because the whole church is going to greet you. But it's not about that. It's not about the visitors. It's about a lifestyle of selflessness. Choosing against what I want so that people can be blessed. So I felt that maybe you have hindered the gospel. Maybe you have hindered the kingdom. You can think of moments where you know that you know that you know God asked you to share the gospel there. God asked you to love there. God asked you to forgive there. And you decided not to do that. Ah, it's the evening of grace. You're still alive. There's grace. I really want to encourage you to, either where you are, come to the front. A lot of leaders that would love to pray with you. And just ask God for forgiveness. Put your faith in God so that we can be a blessing and not a hindrance. Maybe some of you are blaming God. You're blaming God because someone was a religious leader that wanted something out of you. They used you to get you through their group or they used you for whatever reason. You feel used. Please come to the front and we can pray with you. And exchange your blame, blaming God for forgiving people because it's people who did it to you. We need to forgive. Maybe your prayer life is all about me. It's all about me and my stuff. And I need to have a happy life, an abundant life. I need more. And Lord, me, me, me. And not Lord, all nations, all nations, all nations. The kingdom of God through me every day. Maybe that's you and you need to also repent and ask God to change your heart so that your prayer life can change towards all nations. And then... I have to do this. Maybe you don't believe in me. 
Maybe you think, yeah, man, this Jesus thing is quite weird. But tonight I want to say to you, he's after your heart and he will be after your heart until the day you die. But don't run away. If there's anyone like that, please come to the front that you can pray with me. This Jesus will throw over tables. He will bust and chase out everyone out of the temple to get to your heart. So let me, let me pray for us. Lord, I, I thank you so much, Jesus, that you are not like us. Lord, you're not a man that you should lie. Father, you have no shadow. You are light. And we worship you for that, Lord. We thank you that you will throw over tables and chairs to get to the hearts of people, to, to us, Lord. You gave your life on the cross for us to know you, Lord. And Lord, as you are stirring our hearts, Lord, I pray for boldness to respond. Whether it's a respond in the chair or a coming to the front. But I pray, Lord, that you will minister to us. That from tonight on forward, we will not live a life like a fruitless tree. But we will live a life embracing the world, loving the world, Lord. Bearing fruit more and more so that your name may be glorified. Father, we love you. And we honor you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen.